0: Welcome to the Embodied Sounds podcast, where we explore how music and sound add to our collective well-being in mind, body, and spirit. In order to keep this podcast free of advertising, please consider joining our Patreon community. Your support will go towards the creation of this show, as well as original music compositions and recording projects to help us all reduce stress and live a healthier and happier life. Learn more at www. EmbodiedSounds.com. In this episode, I sat down with Christine Stevens, an author, music therapist, and accomplished drum circle facilitator who has worked all over the world. We talk about her experience using drums for peace building in the Middle East, how she healed her diagnosis of tinnitus, and we hear her perspectives on how drumming and dance can help reduce anxiety, increase happiness, and boost our immune system. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Embodied Sounds podcast. My name is Joshua Sam Miller, founder of the Embodied Sounds community and multi-instrumentalist, sound aficionado and lover of music. I am so grateful today to be here with our guest, Christine Stevens, and get to talk with her about her journey through sound. So thanks so much for tuning in and for watching. And welcome, Christine.
1: Thank you. I've got to say hello with my drum.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Let's hear it. Thank you for that warm welcome yeah what was that drum you were just playing
1: oh this is a remo renaissance head frame drum 16 inch the frame drum is the oldest drum believed to be invented from the grain sieve by played by women priestesses in temples temple of the moon lipa shu the first drummer whose name we know it's a great book that Lane Redmond wrote called When the Drummers Were Women. And my, one of my mentors is Lane and also Mickey Hart. And Mickey wrote a book called Drumming at the Edge of Magic, where he talks about that early frame drum. And this is the drum that Miriam played when they crossed the Red Sea and the Exodus. So the prophetess Miriam, sister of Moses. So this is, this is a sacred instrument.
0: <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. What do you uh, have to tell us about your experience with music and sound, uh, throughout your life as a, let's say, um, a wellness modality. How has it helped you in your, in your life?
1: Great question. And congratulations on all your new projects. We're looking forward to seeing how the embodied sound. I love that name. (laughs) Boy, that's really true. How do we embody sound? Um, Well, first I wanna share this. These are the drums that have helped me the most. The frame drum, the body drum, like a djembe or djembe and the buffalo drum. And I brought my first drum to show you. The first drum I bought 30 years ago before I knew I was gonna be a drummer. And I didn't think I had rhythm and I almost failed percussion in college my music therapy training imagine that <laughs> and I bought this little hand drum in Utah and you know never really understood how important it was going to be in my life for greeting the day for drumming my feelings shadow drumming that I've been doing you know during crisis and the planet and when I'm sad and angry I can take it into
2: this drum, but it may be a welcome song. Hey, 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 hey undo what.
1: From the Chumash people a welcome song. I just love the heartbeat. The
2: heartbeat can be played so many ways.
1: Takes me back to my roots of this conversation. I think what I've learned most of all in terms of music and wellness, and I've been part of very blessed to be part of an integrative research team with integrative medicine and with the psychoneuroimmunologist, Dr. Barry Bittman. And just kind of staying abreast of research all the time, there's a great website that I'm part of curating called Rhythm Research Resources. And uh, that's wonderful, packed with the latest information. But I would say that before there was research, we know that tribes were drumming, that drumming was essential and rhythm is a tool of social bonding. And some would say it's an evolutionary driver that quite possibly humanity evolved by rhythmically moving together from apes to humans. And that's a, a very interesting theory in a book called Keeping Together in Time. But from a personal standpoint, I can't live without music. I mean, I was just saying the other day, I'm most vibrant and alive when I dance and drum. And the more I dance and drum, the happier I am. So it's a mood enhancement. It's a feeling of community especially now in COVID-19, there's a lot of social isolation, but we get on the virtual platforms and we drum together. You know, We can't hear each other because of the delays, but we can feel, oh, there's my community, or I can listen to an audio track. Just this morning, I was dancing to um, Drummond Kone's music from West Africa, from Burkina Faso, actually, and I was just thinking of him because I know him. He's a friend of mine, and Just feeling really blessed that I've studied with a lot of great masters from cultures, not acculturated, like people who are lineage holders of rhythms. I learned this song, the Chumash welcome song in a Nipi ceremony in a sweat lodge in the um, Los Angeles area with my Teoshipia called Descendants of the Earth. So, you know, it's like music anchors us to an identity that's much bigger than ourselves in a lineage and especially rhythm. It's funny for me, I didn't think I had rhythm. I almost failed percussion. I couldn't hold the sticks. I couldn't read the music for percussionists. And then I put my hands on a conga and like three hours went by like two minutes. And I was like, wow, what is this? So I think that's another part of the wellness is it's this element of creativity. You know, you can play the hand pan, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you,
1: you, know, you just lose time. and. Most interesting thing for me is I'm, I'm initiated in the Sufi path, in the Sufi Ruhaniyat path. And the guru of this path is Hazrat Anaya Khan, who wrote the book, The Music of Life. And this book is kind of my you know, guide through life. And he wrote so deeply about music as a spiritual path. So it kind of wellness, meaning body, mind, spirit, but then also that transcendent mystical level that is so powerful to me is, you know, when I was doing piecework in Iraq and I would be drumming the rhythm and learning from someone and they'd say, don't look at my hands, look into my eyes. Mm. And I would have this transmission of the rhythm. It is just amazing experience. And that's kind of more of a ancient way of learning. And I think that everyone has in them some music. We are simply wired for rhythm. You know, we are, we are rhythm. <laughs> We are getting brainwave frequencies. You know, we have so much rhythm and tonality that we really are homo musicalis. And wellness is the path of remembering that. It's harder in America and in the West because we're not surrounded by it as some music cultures and rhythmic cultures are in the world that have preserved these ways. And I kind of personally think they're doing better than the rest of us right now because they're maintaining regular dance and rhythms and rituals and communities. And, you know, they have these identities of music that they can fall back on. Children are raised in it. You know, I met children that were seven years old that could play so much better than my best teacher, you know, from Iraq, than could play better than my teachers. They just grow up in a music culture. So we have to generate that through your programs, through our programs. We're generating this this sort of song line of access to music and wellness that I know it keeps me younger. Somebody was telling me the other day, I think drumming is (laughs) (laughs) anti-aging. I used to say it's vitamin D, vitamin drum.
0: I love that. I love that. So many wonderful bits of wisdom in there. I um, just appreciate your sharing and being willing to jump right into the you know, to the depth of the, of the interview, I always like to know personally what has been someone's experience in life, because uh, of course, that's where we um, usually generate our inspiration and motivation. And um, I too have had many fantastic teachers from indigenous culture and world lineages that uh, have inspired me dearly in my life. And I, I completely resonate with what you're saying about the Uh, value that that approach to life brings to a community and um, also see how we're lacking that in our in our world um, in a big way and uh, many of the programs that you've created with the upbeat drum circles and your online offerings as well have really been a a way to bridge some of that um, from around the world so you know thank you for your for your service there and um, real bridge building because it's it's so needed and um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to maybe dive a little bit deeper with the experience that you had in Iraq and being able to use the drum in community to uh, create this healing energy. Uh, I, I'm very curious to learn more about that.
1: Well, thanks for asking. It's a, it was a huge life-changing event for me. Monumental. Whenever you risk your life in the world for your craft, you you just cross through a threshold. You know, landing in Iraq, I was so scared. I really didn't know if I'd made a huge mistake. I was taken to a separate booth from the two men that were traveling with me. I was alone with these armed guards, and I thought I'm going to be killed in this little booth. You know, we hadn't even gotten into the Sulaimania airport. Just getting to Iraq was challenging in 2005. And I had dyed my hair dark brown, worn a headscarf, everything correct. And I go into this little tent and they have a little luggage um, process. You put your luggage on the conveyor and they are looking at your luggage. And I'm standing there. There's three people with guns. And they put down their guns and they open the bag to find the drums. And these two guards start playing the drums and singing and dancing around. And it was a moment of great relief that I said, oh my God, I'm gonna be okay. And it was like, I never felt so at home in a place I was so afraid to go. Mm-hmm. And you know, we, we were pounded with images of war and we had a whole stereotype of what Iraq was. Well, I was in the Northern part in the Kurdish region, uh, Sulaymaniyah, and in that area, you ha- didn't, you had a lot of Kurdish, you had Turkish, you had Arabic. Um, We had Yazidis, we brought all these cultures together in our peace project and after five days of not talking, of just talk through rhythm, um, we really created peace and the participants rated themselves 92% more connected to each other in five days, 40 people. And it was written up in the global compendium of peace, of uh, music as a global resource from the United Nations. So it was a mind blowing project for me. You know, men whose fathers fought each other were hugging and and crying at the end of our training and exchanging emails. We had 40 people from all across Iraq. And um, the significant thing for me was coming home and just saying, if this can work in a war zone, you know, doesn't that just say it all? You know, it's, it's like, if it can work here, There's nowhere it can't work. And I really hold a vision for bringing drums to the United Nations, to places where before we talk and have dialogue of peace in our minds, we connect heart to heart. And that's how we did the training. It was until the fourth day that we actually had any kind of dialogue groups. Um, And the other thing I'll tell you about that experience in terms of what you do in sound is that for five days we were just surrounded in that pulse, united, right? And not the, the outside world you know fades and you're just in this womb of entrainment. And so three years ago, I was speaking at the Mozart and the Mind Conference and Dr. Laurel Trainer was a speaker in San Diego and she runs the research lab in Canada on child development and entrainment. She puts up a slide I was lucky to have lunch with her because she puts up a slide and it says, entrainment creates kindness, compassion, and trust in 14-month-old infants. And I said to her, could this explain what happened to me in a war zone? She <laughs> said, yes, when we pulse together with others, we have entrainment over time and we're, we're feeling a connection through the beat together. It generates kin- kindness, compassion, and trust. Hmm. So finally, you know, 17, 18 years later, someone explained to me what the heck had happened. And I think that's the right way to do it, to go experience it and be in awe of it, and then later learn the s- science. You know, When we get the data, it could have really thrown me off. It was much better that I had no idea. I had a little idea, but I certainly hadn't done anything like that before. Um, and I guess I'll end this little track by showing you the drum that I brought back from Iraq. Is that all right?
0: That would be great. Yes, please. So wow. this is a
1: drum that I was gifted from the bazaar in Iraq, and it's called the daf. There's jingles on the inside, and so it's sh- shaken while you drum. It's an, an ancient Sufi drum. It's used for trance and ceremony. And... It's about 16-inch drum head. This one is painted from the beautiful woman honoring the women. And it actually in Farsi says, there's no greater sound than love, the vibration that encircles the universe forever. And when I learned what it meant, the gentleman said, only play this with love in your heart. So sometimes the drums that you purchase in the Middle East or in Iraq, the Arab world might have been painted in, in Iran and made in Pakistan. I mean, you know, they, they kind of travel different places. So that's how they could be painted. Um, and it's quite a powerful thing to carry for me. It's an altar. It's a poem, a quote from Rumi, I believe. And it's a reminder that when you do play anything, as you know, with love in your heart, it, that's what it's transmitted.
0: Mm. So true, so true. The power of intention runs very, very deep in um, uh, a lot of the work that we do. Um, you know, collectively, I think no matter what your field of study or profession is, but especially yeah. in music. Well,
1: when we first arrived, of course, you know, my original story when I first arrived and had to get through my own fear. But then when we first met the participants, right, these 40 individuals from different warring tribes speaking three different languages, you know, the space was so intense. There was a lot of this. And the translators were like, uh, you know, giving speeches, you know, welcome, Christine, or reading something in Kurdish, then they'd read in Arabic and then read in Kurdish and then read in Arabic. And I just... Did like this. I stood in the middle of the room and just started drumming. And, you know, people started clapping. And then one man pulled out his drum. You know, another guy pulled out an eye, a flute from that part of the world and an oud. And before I knew it, literally in four minutes, there was the band. And people were laughing. And then it finished. And I said, that was the first class seer tomorrow. And they just cheered. Yes. just was like, I was jet lagged. I didn't know what I was doing, but something bigger than me came in and just said, don't worry about the resistance. No one can resist the beat. I mean, you know, I've seen people do this, but their feet are tapping, you know, you can't resist the energy of rhythm.
0: You're right about that. You cannot resist the power of rhythm, uh, as a percussionist myself as well. And, oh, no. uh, if you couldn't tell, um, that explains you know, I, it. <laughs> I, I often enjoy the role that I can play in a group setting to really hold the container, and it's a allowed me to learn a lot about my way of supporting a group, um, and also about myself as um a, a man and a masculine force in this world. Um, not to say that drumming is for for men or women, of course, but I. I've started to understand this creation of music as kind of creating that structure and container as being kind of a a reflection of the masculine to then allow space for the feminine expression to sit within and above uh, that container, um, which can be experienced through perhaps like a vocalist you know, really expressing what she has to say once that uh, beat has already been laid down. And wow, do I feel fantastic to do my job um, as a drummer to really provide that and then allow, you know, the rest of it to, to come through. Um, it's been a, a real blessing for me and just a way for me to better understand myself and play with um, a lot of really talented artists. Um, so that's been a real treat. I really liked what you said before that with this type of an experience, it's sometimes better not to know what's going on until much later. And <laughs> that is, um, that's kind of opposite of how we're taught to think in most of our um, Western society. And so I'm curious if you can uh, offer some tips for someone who's maybe struggling to look at this a little bit differently from other experiences that have helped them maybe in their health or, you know, well-being in life. But I
1: really feel for people that are um, concerned about making that leap into trying this or connecting to this because I can relate. I mean, I really was told I didn't have rhythm and what a thing to overcome. You know, when I played that conga, I just went, "Wow, somebody lied to me." You know, and what other lies have I been told that have held me back? And if we had a more permissive culture, and or or and or within our own personal culture, we could take on that. You know, you don't have to be a hippie and you don't have to wear a tie-dye shirt to wear the to play a drum. And I think that. We're really shifting that perception. Um, Just the other day, a new study came out in England looking at using drumming to reduce anxiety and fear. And it was a great, tremendous results. And um, Profile Mood States, a scientific study published in a peer-reviewed journal. And I just thought, wow, we've really come a long way since when I started in this field 20 years ago. people were like drumming. Is that like the men's movement? You know, and you'd be like, no, it's not Venice beach. That's, you know, one thing, but this is, this is something that holds, I think a lot of healing for people. And I do find to your quest back to your question that the drum shows up when people are transforming so many times I've seen people lose a job, they get a drum, You know, they get divorced, they get a drum. They uh, decided to write a book, they get a drum. I mean, it sort of goes hand in hand with a life change or it comes into your life when you're ready. The drum just shows up. The definition of rhythm is the element of music pertaining to forward motion. So it does move us forward individually, collectively. And we have the most incredible new research looking at, you know, the science of enlightenment and what really it takes to get out of our default network of our brain, which is the ruminating, self-obsessed thinking about the future, thinking about the past, which is what gets us afraid of playing an instrument. It gets us into the presencing network into the moment and time falls away. And that's the enlightened network. And I thank Joan Borsenko for teaching me this at a conference um, presentation in Santa Fe. And I think maybe that's what we're evolving to. Maybe we're, if enough of us are playing music more, we're going to evolve our brains into like the default is the experiencing network where I'm just experiencing it. I'm in the now. You can't think and drum at the same time. You can't, you're, you have to turn off your mind in the minute you think, oh, I'm playing a cool beat you'll screw up just because you had the thought, good or bad doesn't matter. So you get into a state, I studied this, I think it takes people about four minutes. So my last point to your question is don't give up so fast. I keep seeing people go, I couldn't get the beat. I'm frustrated. I couldn't follow it. You know, we just launched this program, the Global Rhythm Sangha and we, we have gathered people from eight countries to practice drumming with world teachers for a spiritual and healing outcome. And the other day, I had people calling me after the classic. Like, I feel really like I can't do it. And I'm like, How long did you play it? One minute, two minutes. You know, it takes at least four minutes to fall into a groove of repetition. And you think that's small, but most Americans put it down before that. So we have to be with it a little longer. And because we're all deprived of it, we're so thirsty for it, you know? We've really been missing it. And so what happens when you do play, when you finally come to the altar of rhythm is you have tears and they're like, so many times people came up to me after drum circles crying and said, what's happening to me? I'm not sad, I can't stop crying. And this is reunion grief. When we reunite with something we didn't know we were missing, we experience this grief of like, oh, so it's back in me. And that's what's happening when we're crying because we're getting like, we're afraid to do it. We do it and we cry. It's emotional. Stop thinking this is a, anything but that, you know, and this is the growing field of sound healing. It's a huge field because we need it. We're tuning ourselves for what is next in our evolution and how we can best honor and support our planet
0: wonderful points in there wow i can remember so many moments where music has brought me to tears complete tears whether i'm playing or not or or just listening do you feel that music and sound and rhythm has made you a better listener um and if so has that affected you in other parts of your life
1: Well, I had a lot of challenges with my ears. I had some tinnitus have developed after so many years of standing in the middle of drum circles and playing a cowbell, which wasn't really the smartest thing before I got my earplugs, (laughs) which I really recommend to people and musicians earplugs. Um, So I've had to heal that and I did. And I healed it with the sounds of nature and silence you know, and just listening to the wind and listening to the river, the river was really healing for my ears, especially water sounds. And it's come come along so much better. I mean, there was a point where I couldn't even sleep. It was so loud. So listening. Yeah. I mean, it's everything, right? (laughs) We play by ear. We say that because it means we learn by our ears and I love learning by ear, it's like my favorite thing. You know, I know most people are visual, but if I just listen to a song, sometimes I can play it on the piano or I can I can listen and go, oh, that's in six, that's in five, that's in 12, that's in eight, that's in, you know, so listening is, like when I teach my um, participants in the shift network in the drum and the flute classes, I say to them, here's your notebook, it's a playlist. Because as you listen, you learn. We have so many opportunities to listen to better things, you know, conscious listening, not background, but foreground, not grocery store music, not what's on the radio music, but like I have so many playlists in my computer. Maybe you do this too. I have like so many playlists. I have the playlist for re-entry. I have a playlist to honor my father when he died. I wrote a playlist already for when I'm dying. You know, I'm a playlist queen because I like to dance to a gratitude playlist or a morning playlist or a nonverbal playlist. And I, I think that listening is one thing that you know, is developing Julia Cameron just came out with a book on the art of listening, you know, who wrote The Artist's Way because we learn music by ear. 70% of musicians in the world don't read music. We read music by ear. So you're listening and, you know, that's the best thing people can do for sound healing. You know, we're listening, but we're feeling when you do a perform your sound healings, you know, we're listening to you, but we're feeling that vibration, so we don't just listen with our ears, we listen with our bodies, you know? So I'm just attuned to that and I'm very careful what I put in my ears, the same as what, I, what diet I put in my mouth. It's my auditory diet. Mm. And what I love for silence and quieting my mind is uh, Nawang playing the Tibetan flutes or Carlos on uh, Arna Kai. I love those kind of like no rhythm, you know, cause I'm so, so surrounded in boom, boom, boom. So I love the contrast, like the, you know, the feminine masculine part of me. It's like, I love that sort of not nebulous or or the hand pan. You're just anything played rubato really feeds me because it's like this, ah, I can just like move differently to it flowing and, you know, versus dancing staccato. So, you know, we want to develop our whole, the whole, the whole broadness of who we really are and you know that's Mm. what sound does for us it helps us oh i'm this too and i'm that too and so trust yourself you know whatever you hear that you love go to that you know you love Mm. taiko drums go to that that's a that's a serious lineage of healing right there
0: (laughs) hmm So sorry to hear you struggled with tinnitus, but very happy to hear it is improved and that you found a way to yes. really create that auditory diet. I love that term uh, to really <laughs> purify yourself in that way. And um, I too am very conscious of what I, I listen to and what music I have playing. Um, very sensitive as an artist and a musician to my sound environment and um, I'm I'm curious if the the piece you spoke about later as well around a person feeling called to a particular sound and then giving themselves permission to explore it um does that does that yeah. play into other areas in life at all perhaps with <laughs> that sense of trusting yourself and feeling um empowered and confident to to go after something because you feel it coming from within you? Is, is that something that you can relate to uh, and speak about a little bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we have a soul code or some kind of a program from whatever it is, another incarnation who knows why when I heard a drum beat, I had to run into that room. You know, I think probably I've been a drummer before. And there's rhythms that just come really naturally to me and instruments it called to me. And you know, when I really started to dive into world percussion, there weren't many women. We would go to the percussion arts conference and I'd be shocked at how few women there were in the drum world. And yet women were the first drummers. So, you know, we're sort of making progress in that way and a lot of hand drummers are women, but we had to jump through some real cultural rules for that in the Native American community, I cannot touch the drum. So there's different cultures that have different perspectives on that, unless it's a women's drum, which I have sat on those kind of drums, gathering drums, powwow drums. But you know, it's this um, trust of the self and the soul. It's what created Jane Goodall's path. I mean, she's such a shining example for me of just drop me in In Africa, I want to study chimpanzees as a kid, you know, what would happen if we really trusted what we're called to, you know, I was watching you perform at this conference in Los Angeles. And I was watching people just, you know, they might not have signed up, but they heard it and they came into the room and sat in the back, you know and I mean? Just like people are just called to sound. Sound is the original way to invoke right it's sound it's a song it's what got shiva out of the cave it's what you know it's what always is the offering to the deities and to the elements as what you studied and i love too is that sort of elemental connection through song and rhythm Mm -hmm. that comes from orisha traditions so yeah i think that it's a it's a curious Thing, what gets in the way. But I'll tell you the quick story when I was taking the healing drum kit to Whole Foods when we first got Whole Foods out uh, to pick up the healing drum kit that I published with Sounds True in 2000. So funny. You know, we, we were going, or maybe it was like 2005, I can't even remember now. But, anyways, we were, we were at Whole Foods. And they had the healing drum kit in the vitamin department, in the whole body. And so I was standing next to the sampling people. Somebody was sampling chocolate, somebody was sampling gummy vitamins, and then me sampling drums. And it was so odd. But I would stand there drumming in Whole Foods, and I would watch people come over with their shopping cart, get close to me, and turn around and leave. And that's just to your, to your point, children would drag their parents to come see the drum and the parents would hold back. And it's this sort of like, I would see, I could almost see on their faces the desire and the I'm afraid. I'm this isn't uncool. I don't want to make a mistake in front of others, performance anxiety, whatever it was. Once you know what it is, you can get rid of it because if we can all just trust where children lead us <laughs> and the inner child leads us, you know we can all be much happier.
0: I, I love that. Thank you for answering that question. it's It's definitely been a challenge for me over the years sometimes to really trust myself and and I think that can lead a person to seek external um, answers, which can be beneficial and also can be very Dangerous, and I'm I'm very grateful for the drum specifically, and music in general to bring me back to myself and, and my center and deepen that ability to trust in that own uh, sense of of intuitive you know calling. So mm-hmm. I, I want to inspire others to, if you feel called to pursue a particular musical path and you know a particular sound, to really pay attention to that as a the great das likes to remind us that so much about this work is just about paying attention and um, listening. So that was kind of my reason for asking that question, and and thank you for answering it so beautifully. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if you can tell us about some of the programs that you're offering online and ways that people can uh, connect with you during these times of quarantine.
1: Sure. Um, I just had a happy moment thinking of Krishna Das and his drummer, Ty Burho, who was one of my first frame drum teachers when he lived in Boulder. So we would hang out and he would teach me tabla patterns on frame drum. <laughs> ah, amazing.
0: I've met Tyler before. Great tabla player.
1: Yeah, he's amazing. He's studied with Zakir uh, Hussein. So right now, what I'm most excited about is the global rhythm sangha because I've been holding this vision for 8 years finally got it launched last year its my second year and it's still open for enrollment and it's one cultural master teacher every month on zoom and then 2 weeks later we have a practicum call where we just play their rhythm for an hour like really let it set in and what i really love is who's teaching they're all friends of mine they're Kim Atkinson, who carries, you know, the Brazilian rhythms of Afoche. And he played in Condomblé play ceremonies, lived in Brazil. He's in San Francisco. And then Carolyn Brandy is he going to be bringing Afro-Cuban rhythms. I just, I could tell you all the names, but I won't. So just go Google it. Global Rhythm Sangha, the name says it all. It's a spiritual community of drummers. That's what I'm most excited about. I mean, I'm still teaching drumming and flutes on the Shift Network, which has been beautiful the music I'm creating now is to support other people. I'm really passionate about backing tracks. Because in COVID, you know, in this isolation time and in this dense time on the planet energetically, I'm loving creating the backing track for others to perform to, you know? So play along tracks have always been part of my path. And I just created a sound, Sound healing play along tracks for Native American flute in A440 and A432. So, using the Sansula, singing bowls, koji chimes, some of the instruments that, and and the drum, of course, that don't always, that we don't always get to jam with, with the flute. So, that's been really my passion. And I just had this aha uh, a month ago where I went. I think this is something beautiful when a musician gets an opportunity to create music that others will play to. Um, that means I'm offering the best of my playing to support the best of your playing. The other offering that I have is an online class coming out very soon on how to use online tools for sound programs. <laughs> so Sign like me up the,
0: for that one. For all sure. the nuts and
1: bolts, set design, sound, lighting, um tools of engagement drum circles online after doing it for eight years and it's a, so many people need to learn these skills right now until we can't till we can get back together again so that's what I'm excited about is and just grateful that I've stayed safe so far and really really keeping myself singing I'm toning just for my lung practice mm. so that I'm in a preventive way using sound
0: I love that wow okay so many great offerings and we'll definitely put some links in the uh show notes so yeah congratulations on all of your success and real devotional path in life very inspiring i am uh thank you also uh, studying under a great sufi teacher amina chisti uh a friend of mutual friend of ours amazing uh female drummer and percussionist and real legend and um have enjoyed the path of the Sufi uh, inspiring me to see the world differently <laughs> and really devote to, um, to my tablet practice. So a lot of what mm. your experience is sharing is very much uh, resonant and something that continues to get me through those tough moments uh, in life. And I'm just grateful for your connection and look forward to you know, doing a lot more. Uh, together as we, as we proceed. I'm, I feel like 2021 is the year of studio work and really taking that time inwards to create and um, collaborate from a distance. So perhaps we can do something mm-hmm. like that together uh, over I the like next
2: few months.
1: like that thought to collaborate from a distance. That's really true. I guess I'll just close by saying thank you to you, to our teachers. And to the spirit that, may, got, that introduced us, I would say, the coincidences that happened that we got to our paths crossed, I appreciated your work immediately when I heard you play. And it was deep and it had elemental connections. And I thought, this guy is onto something unique in the sound healing field. And it really helped all those people. You helped so many of those expressive arts therapists. When you can help a therapist, you know, it's exponential. They're going to go help so many more people. And some of those people didn't know, what is a sound healing, you know? And they came in that room and they're like, oh, we get to lay down and rest? Wow. You know, and experience the sound bath and wow. And so, you know, I'm just highlighting your work and thank you for your work and thank you to the coincidence that we got to see each other again in that Sufi community. And thank you for inviting me into your podcast and to everyone who's listening, just follow the music and the sound current that you, that you feel resonates with. I guess I'll end with this because we had a Sufi connection. You know, what I love is the rhythm of Rumi that created the spinning of the whole practice of whirling dervishes came from the blacksmith in the marketplace, in the bazaar. And so rhythm is everywhere and you never know when the divine is calling you, (laughs) what tool, what drum they're using. So just staying awake, staying to be part of the good and the beauty and the love of the sound stream that we are part of. Ashe.
0: Aho, thank you so much, Christine. What a inspiration and gosh, such a, such a wonderful teacher you are. So looking forward to connecting further. And please uh, check us out at embodiedsounds.com to find out more about the podcast and ways that you can connect with the global sound community. We'll put all those notes in the